the Now That We're a Family podcast. Katie Joy, here we are once again, although I do actually kind of regret setting our chairs up a little bit further away from each other than I know, they usually are. I, I know. just noticed but that. I do love that the mandolin in the corner has a little glowy light on it. Yeah, I did That's put some new. extra time into that. I'm glad you noticed. <laughs> well, I noticed that behind Elisha, often we have random instruments that we don't really talk about. Like you had the harp behind you a few episodes ago. That was random. Now we have a glowing mandolin. We had like the neck of the guitar randomly sticking out of your shoulder blade one week. I think the reason I didn't give an explanation for the harp being behind me is because I had no clue why it was behind me. I had no clue why it was in our garage. I've never known how to play that thing. Uh, yeah, my sister one. Kelsey was using our studio. But uh, yeah, so I'm excited to talk about, well, are we going to are we gonna jump into what we're going to talk about? Yeah, it's a pretty fun episode. So okay, I'm going to ask you a question though first okay. about the growth initiative because you're in the middle of that right now. Yeah. You just started a new season Yeah, like the of- second group. The Growth Initiative. So I want to hear how's it going, you know? Wow. Okay. Well, thanks for asking. question. It is. Yeah. No, it's going great. I, I'm pumped just as much as I was with the first group um, of the Growth Initiative. Okay. So real quick, let's back up just real quick. If people don't know what the Growth Initiative is, could you just tell them what the Growth Initiative is? Yeah. It's a six-week program that ultimately provides systems and resources and tools for men that are in the season of life where they're a father, they're a husband, they're wanting to thrive in their profession, but at the same time, they want to also have vision for the future. I think so oftentimes it's easy to just be caught up in the weeds of today or of this week and really lose sight of where we want to be in three years and 10 years and, and 30 years down the road. And and so, what, you know, what the Bible says, without a vision, the people perish. And so it's really a, a group of guys reestablishing, refining, maybe refining their vision for the future and their goals, and then implementing practical systems and, and steps to see daily progress and weekly prog- progress towards the, those goals. Because um, I've found that for myself, when I'm acting in a way that's contrary to like my fundamental beliefs or my core values or who I feel like God's called me to be, it has a tremendous, ne- a tremendously negative effect on my confidence, on my morale. Um, I would even say like on my just my mental well-being. And so it's so I think good to revisit and remind ourselves of who we feel God's called us to be, the direction we want to be going in, who we are as men and as leaders, and then implement a practical plan for that. Because so often, is this too much of an answer? Because no, I can just no, keep going no. on and on and on and on. And I think I it's so the good. Whole I think it's good. So, so often it's easy to use general language around uh, godly characteristics of manliness. Say, you know, say things like, well, you know, in three years, I want to be a more godly man or a more faithful husband or a more loving husband or a more committed father, but we're not very rarely are we forced to actually articulate what that looks like in a practical way because saying a more godly man, it's like, well, okay, so more godly than who or than what or than when, and what does that godly man do on a daily basis? How does he behave? And then working backwards from there and and doing that with all the areas of our life that are important to us, um, you know, in our career or in our health and our, in our parenting. And so anyways, yeah, it's a six week program. And then there's follow up quarterly calls after the six week program is done. And, And the most fun part for me about this program is meeting men from literally around the world that share a united vision for life and that have so many of the same values and goals that I have for life. It really gives me like tons of energy and like hope for the future 
when I see men for, I, I think last group, we had like four different continents represented in this group. We've got a couple, you know, a few different countries represented in this current call, the whole U S and I'm, I'm able to meet men that are, they want to grow in their faith. They want to be a more committed and loving husband. They want to be a committed father to see their children walk in the, in righteousness and in truth. And they want to continue growing in their profession or maybe starting businesses or, you know, finding investment properties and kind of think beyond just the here and the now. And they want to continue to improve their health. Um, but they have found that they don't have a ton of community or like-minded men around them to drive them on in those areas. And, uh, and they, you know, some of them lack the, the tools and the resources. And so the growth initiative ultimately is there to fill that void. Well, I'm glad you answered that because it's been really, it's been a really big blessing to our life. Mm. And just hearing you talk out what you're going over and you working through the tools and sharing what you're hearing from the other guys. And it's just, I don't know, it's, it's really awesome. And I'm glad that you have these men around you and Mm. it's so cool to see what you've been working on for years come to fruition in the growth initiative and be able to share with guys just the stuff that you've learned. Wow. Yeah. Again, I feel like we're the biggest recipients of the growth and like we we just benefit so much from it in a practical way because Mm -hmm. these weekly calls, me going through the tools, having to kind of lead these sessions and walk people through the tools forces me to revisit so many of the areas of my life that I want to see sustained growth in and growth in any area of life at some point or another is just not, you know, glamorous. Mm -hmm. It's not romantic. It's not this 10 out of 10 excitement. And so what I love about the growth initiative is that we kind of celebrate that fat, that aspect of growth. We celebrate that it is in the daily grind, so to speak, or it's in the daily um, kind of habits and routines where over time you see sustained growth. But if you don't have somebody cheering you on or a community supporting you or a system to fall back on, then you're not going to have the motivation to stick to that daily regiment and that daily, I guess, system that ultimately is what produces, uh, you know, quantifiable growth. Yeah. Just that rich fruit. I think in parenthood as a father, a mother, uh, you know, a marriage, uh, like that's not real celebrated, those Mm. more mundane aspects of our life, but they are celebrated about 20, 25 years later when someone looks and you have a rich marriage or you have a successful business or you have a family that's thriving and vibrant and walking with the Lord, or you have grandkids, you know, that are being raised to, um, glorify the Lord. And that's when people go, Oh my goodness, what did you do? But all those mundane steps that it took to get there, it's just, Elisha and I are really big on finding joy in that journey. And Mm. it's been so cool to see all these other guys just join that journey with you. That's right. Because I use the word mundane, but that's the point of the growth initiative is that we it helps make them not mundane. It's like, no, this has to be an enjoyable journey. Yeah. Cause Katie, like you were saying, you know, we, there are so many documentaries and movies and, and books that are written, um, about, uh, you know, say a pro athlete and then they go back and they follow their journey along and you're able to witness the grind. You're like, how cool is that? That they put in that many hours and against all odds, they, they put in the time and they put in the work to have this, you know, whatever the Super Bowl moment or the NBA championship moment or the Olympic podium moment. It's the same with a lot of business documentaries. They're getting more and more popular. Um, and it's crazy how there's, like you said, the areas of life that matter most to us, you can't really like go find a documentary on somebody that's, you know, 70 years old and he sees his children's children 
walking in faith and he and he you see a fruitful marriage and you see him loving the lord and being stronger in his faith more than ever and yes he's successful in his career and his occupation but that that story isn't told very much in a way that like gets you that inspired but that's like the greatest story ever that's the story i want to live and so i want to make it an enjoyable and an inspirational story in the process yeah i think we see like little clips of that in movies and stuff but it's not like a it's very rare we get a full life picture. Yes, that's right. Okay, well, I'm glad I asked. Wow. So encouraging to hear. I <laughs> See, I felt it was bottled up in you. <laughs> yeah, I probably just talked so to way too cork. long. I, I, didn't know how a, how, I didn't know of an easy way to answer that, or a quick way to answer <laughs> that, I should say. Well, that's a great answer. Okay, I'm excited about this this episode, though. I know. I'm, I'm excited, but I'm also... We've never... I'm a little... I, I don't know if nervous is the the right word, but you I'm a little un, uneasy because we've never done anything like this before on the podcast where we're going to really just kind of go through a whole list of, well, do you want to say what we're doing? Are you like, <laughs> is this? We're both skirting around the subject. Books we read. It's not, it's not that crazy. Elisha and I love reading Whoa, books. You said it. <laughs> books have really impacted our life. They've come at key points. Sometimes reading the same book, like um, an episode we did a couple episodes ago, really impacts both our life at the same time. And or we like grew up and we read the same book and it yeah. was like, oh my word, that's such a good book. And we've been able to connect on books, I guess, our whole our whole lives. And so we thought we'd share some of them with you guys. If you guys have followed along in the Top 5 Tuesday email, then you might have heard of some of these. You might have heard some of these listed on the podcast. What I'm going to do and what we've actually talked about for a long time, so this podcast is really pushing this project forward, is we're going to have a resources tab on nowthatwe'reafamily.com. So if you go there, you're going to be able to find all the books that we actually recommend. Some of these we might not recommend uh, listed there. And if you guys have a resource that we've mentioned before on Instagram or something like that on the podcast and we don't have a link for it, let us know and we will put it up there on that page. So everything can all be in one place because right now we have links all over Instagram and in random episodes and random DMs and all over. Yeah. And this, you know, Katie, she challenged me. She said, okay, you need to create a list of all of your favorite books and then your least favorite books that you've ever read and we'll do a podcast on it. And when I started writing down my least favorite books, I realized that's kind of, as you hear me explain what I'm calling my least favorite books, I don't think they're my least favorite books in, in the sense when it comes to like, oh, I just strongly disagree with these books. It's more of like books I was just kind of disappointed in because I think I've read many books and I've started them knowing I disagree with the premise or the concept, and I'm not that disappointed. And so I didn't put those on the list. Does that make sense? I didn't like... Oh, yeah. If it's like some a, a book where I just disagree fundamentally from the outset, but I'm reading it more out of intrigue or for school reasons or whatever it is, then like that's obvious. I'm not going to agree with that book, but it's not like my least favorite book ever because I already knew from the get-go I didn't agree with it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that sounds okay. good. Yeah. A book that maybe had a lot of people, a lot of buzz around it. A lot of people thought were saying, oh, this is a good book or you should read this book. It's on like yes. must read lists. Yes. And then you go to read it and you're like, oh, that, that wasn't what I expected. Exactly. That's, well, like that's that. what I wrote down. We're, like yes. books that were more of a letdown rather than like, oh, I disagree with the substance of that book more than anything else. And like, that's not what I did yeah. with this. What about you? So Elisha, yeah, that's what I did too. Okay. And these were, um, these are all off the top of our head. So we came up with this idea um, just last, like within the last 30 minutes. Yeah. And so 
I'm sure we're missing some stuff, but we're. I know gonna I'm probably going to be kicking myself in bed tonight, thinking oh of God. so many books. But we could put it on the resource list. Yes, we see, can. See, it's we not can. not our one shot. Okay, so you want to go first? Sure. And I know you broke down some different categories, and so I'm assuming we're going to be touching on, you know, theolog- the- theology, Christian, like lifestyle, um, business, fiction. Is that right? Yeah, fiction, okay. nonfiction. Okay, what if I ask you a few of my categories real quick, and then you could just share. A couple? Yeah. Go for okay. it. Okay. So who's your favorite author of all time? Yeah. See, that's a tough question. And I did think about this before because my favorite books of all time are not written by my favorite authors of all time, if that makes any sense. They're like one-off books okay. that are my favorites. But if you had to if you had to answer that question and you just had to throw an author in there, who would you throw in? To read for the rest of my life? Yeah. Well, oh, this is Katie. This is really hard. I think I would probably say... I think I would probably say just general C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Okay. Again, my favorite books are not written by him. It's a good you know, millennial man choice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the reason I wrote because I don't, I don't not like anything. I, I enjoy everything he's ever written that I've read. Does that make sense? Like that's I, impressive. I, I like not, not even from like a storytelling standpoint. But even for more of like the technical writing standpoint, it's just so yeah, he's fun, a really good writer, to read his sentences and his phrases. <laughs> um, and so Excuse I me. just enjoy everything that I pick up of his. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, but it's not like he's had the most impactful book in my life, or it's not. He's like he's my favorite fiction. Okay. Author or okay, Elisha, this is gonna take forever. <laughs> go through this so, this long. There you go. Well, see, I I think you picked a really good author because off the top of my head, I said Louis L'Amour. Nice. So I just went straight fiction. Straight fiction. And see, I I thought, yeah, I just thought he was good. I thought of going fiction. I thought of going more Christian. And obviously, with C.S. Lewis, you get a little bit of both. And so I thought if you're going to be reading one person, get a little bit of both with that guy. That's pretty good. Okay, so I've got one. I got a couple more categories here. Okay. Okay. What is your, okay, what would count as the best fiction book? For me? Yes. The best or my favorite? Because I don't, I don't, I can't rate what's best out there in the world. Elisha <laughs> should be asking these questions. I just know subjectively what I like the most. Uh, <laughs> I'd say right now my favorite fiction book of all time is The Count of Monte Cristo. Okay. I Alexander down, Dumas. I put down Count of Monte Cristo and Scarlet Pimpernel. Yeah. And that's a, that's a close second. So those are your favorite? Yeah. Yeah. See, close one and two for me as well. Yeah. And, and do you like any other books really that much by Alexander Dumas? Because it's like, no, you no. start going like Three Musketeers and you're like, man. Nah, it's kind of trashy actually. Yeah. And then same with the Baroness Orsky or whatever her name is of Scarlet Pimpernel. Oh, yeah. It's, it's not a- like you like her body of work that much. We just love those books. Yes. Yes. That's why I wouldn't just go based on author. Those yes. are one offs that are just. So good, yeah. so intriguing, cannot put down. Yes. Okay. Okay, what are you currently reading? Uh, I'm currently reading Jack London, who, similarly to C.S. Lewis, whether or not I like the story, I just love the way he writes. And so I, I like, when in doubt, I'll go to a, G- a Jack London. And it's um, it's like a pseudo or what, like a semi-autobiography of his life, Martin Eden being him, Jack London. And yeah, it's great. It's just, he's such a dramatic, like extravagant writer. His sentences are like, okay, man, whoa, calm down. (laughs) You know, when he's explaining the most basic detail of anything. So it's just kind of fun to read. That's awesome. 
I am currently reading The Well-Trained Mind, which is a book on like classical education. It's really good. I really recommend it if you are homeschooling your kids or considering homeschooling. And Deep Nutrition, Mm. which is my favorite of all time nutrition book. That's good. Yeah, that's been impactful. I I also am currently reading another one. I think we're both kind of reading. It's really short. It's that book, On Death by, by Timothy Keller. Oh, yeah. We both have kind of like been reading that this week. It's more of like you read like a chapter and think about it. It's not yeah. kind of more or less. Yeah. Um, okay. So do you want me to ask you a question now? Okay. I feel like Those you... are all the categories I had except for like the worst. worst. Okay. So what did you write down, Katie, for your favorite business books of all time? Okay. I feel like Elisha. I have my laptop out here. I'm like so cool. Okay. Uh, hands down. Okay. Top two. What are they going to be? You pick. You you guess what my top two business books are. Your top two business books? Yeah. Okay. Um, the Four Hour Work Week. Yes. By Tim Ferriss. The second one's tricky because. Okay, self development. Okay, see there we business. go. There we go. So th- this is I feel like less business and more like self development. But I'm going to say the compound effect. Yes. Okay. Oh nice. yay! Nice. <laughs> he won the newlywed game. All right. <laughs> Six years. Yes, it's the compound effect. We've mentioned that book a ton. Just an excellent life book. And then the four hour work week. I can't say I recommend the four hour work week. Right. Yeah. Or Tim Ferriss in general. I think I read this book when I was like fourteen or fifteen for the wow. first time. And it's because it really impacted my dad. We were, so my siblings and I and my mom, we were all living down in Southern California in a tent in a trailer. And my parents were going to have to go into major debt to buy a house anywhere in, you know, Orange County or near where my dad worked, City of Commerce, like anywhere in the whole surrounding LA area. And so my dad read this four hour work week book and it just transformed his life. And yeah. we ended up moving up to Oregon, living where he wanted to live. And he flew down to Southern California. Now, now business, um, distance working is like not that novel, right. but it was when I was 10 years old yes. and to not lit to work where you didn't live was kind of crazy. And I think the concept of the book, the four hour work week is still life changing for for entrepreneurs. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, that's, I think probably the number one business book that I put down as well too, because I look at all of all of our current businesses. I think we started, I know I wouldn't have thought of any of these businesses had I not read that book. Does that make sense? Like early on in our marriage, I read that book and it just reshaped the way I viewed starting a business and how, what I wanted the business to do for us. And, um, and so, yeah, I look at that at our current life. I'm like, yeah, that's played a big role in where we're, where we're at. Yeah. I really love a couple of the concepts of the book. If you don't read the book are just one, the whole concept of four hour work week. Like a lot of the work we do is work to keep ourselves busy and make ourselves feel good instead of working on the money-making activity or the activity that actually moves the business forward. Solving the actual problem. Yes. We just, the rest of it's just pushing paper or trying to, you know, make ourselves feel good about what we're doing. And then I love the concept of just living the life that you want to live right now. And it was culturally groundbreaking at the time, especially because people were still trying to work till they were 50, 55, retire, you know, and then enjoy your life when you're like old and dying instead of like, okay, how do I live a dream now? And what are the excuses keeping me from not 
doing it. Because often we have the money to travel or we have the money to invest in the hobby that we say we're going to do yeah. forever, you know, yeah. or, you know, in the future. But what are the things holding us back from doing it Yes. right now? Because often it's either we don't actually really want that thing or we just have to move past some fears and yes. it's not the excuses that we actually tell people are keeping us back from it. Yes. Anyways. Nice. I like it, Katie, babe. Okay. I'm going to ask okay, you another one. I kind one. of blapped. Well, oh, okay. Well, yeah. Cause I, I agree with you on that one. I mean, you some would? other for business books. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's probably the one that I would for like self. Did, did you want to go into like any, uh, so just slash self-development books or did you kind of put those in the same well category? i'll be honest i wrote things down in the order i thought of them okay so compound effect and four hour work week were the first two books i wrote down but then i have a marriage book next okay so. cool yeah i think another one just to throw in there why that we're in the category we can always come back to it would be like atomic habits um i think that's been really good. definitely definitely atomic seen, habits like the 10x rule has been really really powerful as well um, those are some other ones kind of in that same Grant category. Cardone, yeah. It's like classic those, those, business. Yeah. Sales, business, self-development, um, stuff, the magic of thinking big. That's another good one. Yeah. So I wrote down the power of habit, atomic habits, and the magic of thinking big yeah. as well as far as all books for yeah. systems in your life and, um, yeah, growing as a person, growing as a person, opening up your mind in a healthy way mm-hmm. to, What's possible? You know, what am I believing that is just like narrow-minded thinking? Yes. Yes. And the form of business. So what's the marriage book that you wrote down then? Okay, so I wrote down... I just have something in my throat today. Sorry, guys. Uh, Letters to My Daughters Hmm. by Barbara Rainey. It's the best marriage book I've ever read. I had like a favorite marriage book of all time for the first five years of marriage. And Letters to My Daughters is like topped it. And I think it's because Barbara is just so... Like she holds a hard line. First of all, she's been married for decades and decades and decades, but she holds a really hard line in the book while still being gracious and understanding and Mm. loving. And I think that it just is a book that I can easily recommend to women in a lot of different situations, a lot of different kinds of marriages. And not only did it like incredibly bless me, but I feel really good recommending it. Hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. There's not many books I feel like that. Yes. Where you can just like confidently. On this list, it's like, Probably one of the first ones I've Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All the other ones have a thousand disclaimers. Like, Aside from Atomic Habits and the Compound Effect. Yeah, those, those are, are all just hands those down are great. great. Well, that's something that I thought was kind of interesting in when I started writing down some of the books that have been really impactful in my life. Some of them, I think, were very timely based, like, meaning like they, the season of life I was in, they spoke to that season very profoundly. Uh, some of them, I think, will be like, I, it's hard to know, but I think pretty timeless staples in my life of being just profound. Um, but what something I found interesting was that a lot of my favorite pastors that I like, that I will enjoy listening to sermons of, I don't always love their books or I don't love their writing. There's like a disconnect between hearing them preach and then you read their book and there's like, it, there's, it's a different tone, you know, and it's just a different style. Maybe it's the technical aspect of writing that like waters, waters down or dilutes the message that I feel like is so clear when they preach, um, and vice versa, a lot of the pastors whose books I really enjoy, I don't, I don't love their preaching very much, which I thought was kind of interesting. interesting. Um, so books that I think were really timely for me that were like spiritual books. Uh Um, there's a book called Jesus plus nothing equals everything that I read when I was like, I don't know, 19 or something like that. That was great. The guy's name, his first name is Tulian 
his last name is really bizarre, but the book, we'll, we'll link it. It was an awesome book. Um, Don't Waste Your Life by John Piper was a really impactful book by me. Um, Prodigal God by Timothy Keller was a really impactful book for me at that same season. The Saving Life of Christ by Major Ian Thomas. I, I think was going to say The Saving was, Life of Christ. was extremely impactful um, at like at, at that kind of same season of my life. Another one that's more like theological was I think that R.C. Sproul book, What is Reformed Theology? These were all kind of a similar season of that's life. That's such a good book. Yeah, a few A.W. Tozer books in there. Um, the Knowledge of the Holy. Yeah, well, I think The Knowledge of the Holy is one that I'm going to put as like timeless because that book's so good. I've gone back to that probably like 29 times over the last 12 or 13 years. And I just really think it's so good. Yeah, I think we own three copies. Yes. And that's saying a lot because... I throw out a lot of books. Yes, you do. You do <laughs> throw out a lot of books. But we've got three to- three copies of the Knowledge of the Holy because I just think I always could use a bigger view of God and a yes. smaller view of people. And he just does that. He paints that picture of an awesome God that we cannot fully understand or fully know. And we just need to keep seeking after him. And I just feel so small reading that book. Wow. And... I love that. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, so that's just a list. What about you on the spiritual side? Like, we're like Christian books. Yeah. Uh, so the saving life of Christ, definitely heaven. We've talked about that oh, on yeah. this podcast. Randy Alcorn. That's right. Yep. But that heaven book, you could just read it and read it and read it. It's so good. Um, let's see. Honestly, I have not been a huge Christian book reader. Hmm. Which is interesting. I think I've. I think you've mentioned some of the ones that I've read. Yeah. Um, like. Yeah, obviously, knowledge of the holy. Knowledge of the holy. What is reformed theology? Those yep. are both really helpful, helpful books yep. to me as I grew. Um, but I just I don't like reading a lot of pastors, like you said. Um, I've thrown out a lot of your books from pastors. I just think they're so boring, I guess. And I'd rather listen to a podcast or I'd rather listen to a sermon than read a lot of Christian books. Yeah, I think that's, and I put... Read my Bible. (laughs) I'm going to, yeah, that's, I think, one of my biggest things in the, my books that I was disappointed in is it's, they, a lot of them were from like pastors I really like, or I was looking forward to hearing from them. I'm like, wow. You made that so boring. Like you, I was so excited about that topic and I love listening to your sermons about it, but that I'm so uninspired. (laughs) I know that's unfair because I'm like, I just, the last thing I want to do is like, oh, I'm going to write a book and everyone's going to be like, that's so boring. Oh, well, I think it's just style. It's stylistic. I think other people are probably crazy inspired by it. It's like, it's it's definitely a to each his own thing. Yeah, that's true. I think you basically have bought me all the spiritual books I've read. Hmm, good for me, huh? Yeah. <laughs> While we were dating, or you know, Elisha knew I had a great lack in this area and he was going to help me out. <laughs> yeah. Some other timely books for me, um, Death by Living by N.D. Wilson. That one was fun. You didn't like that one I at all. Not. Yeah, I liked that. Um, one Perfect Life is actually more recent. And again, I is that this one's by John MacArthur. And I, I don't love John MacArthur's books. I love like his sermons, his preaching like almost always uh, agree with him. Um, but I don't love his books, but this book was just so powerful. The one perfect life. Book. Oh yeah. We uh, mentioned that too on the yes. podcast. Oh, I have. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, right. It's the one with all the references. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, it just, it's yeah, like pinpointing really Christ read. throughout the whole Bible. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. There's, it's just, it's basically just scripture is all it is, but then he's pinning different verses together where, where, 
Christ was referenced and you didn't even know he was referenced and stuff like that. So yeah, that was really cool. Okay, what other categories do you have, Katie, babe? Let's see. I'm just going to start going down my list here. I've mentioned Seasons of a Mother's Heart on Instagram a ton, and I always feel bad mentioning that because that's such a good book on motherhood, and it's out of print. So if you find it in a friend's closet or something, steal it and uh, return it later. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, there were two books that came at a really critical time in my life. One of them was Beautiful Girlhood by Mabel Hale. And then one was fiction by Louise May Alcott called Old Fashioned Girl. Hmm. And they're both the same premise, even though one was nonfiction and one was fiction. And I think I was about 14 when I read both of these. And they were just sharing the beauty of girlhood and growing up slow. And in a season where you really want to grow up fast and, you know, especially because Elisha was five years older Mm. and I just was not (laughs) catching his radar, you know, it really gave me that peace of mind like, Oh, I'm not crazy. Like I get to be an adult woman the majority of my life. I can just savor being innocent. I can savor being young. It's okay if I don't know all these things. It's okay if I can't, you know, compete in air quotes with older girls. I can just, you know, not wear mascara and I don't know, be cool with my freckles and bare feet. Well, what a blessing. Yeah, it really was sweet. And, you know, my parents were keeping those boundaries there for me, keeping me young in a lot of ways. Uh, But these books were an outside voice that really made me more content with that during that season instead of fighting it. Hmm. And I think it was a really big blessing in my life. So, Well, that's so good to keep in mind, I think, with our own children. as um, Yeah, it's like you, you can't stop the process of growing up, you know, and of becoming uh, young adults. But there is an element of 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 innocence that I do want them to be able to hang on to as long as they can. Not, not from a place of, um, being ill-equipped or ill-prepared for Mm -hmm. what the world has to offer, but, but basically a healthy sheltering. Um, it's like, I feel like people growing up, people use the term bubble or sheltering in such a negative way, but you better bet that I'm going to like shelter my children from a lot of things that this world, you know, has and offers. And similarly with wanting to create a bubble, I do want to create a bubble where there are godly voices in that bubble. There are godly influences in education. And, uh, and so it's so good to have these other resources, I think that can bring, they can, they can get the kids on your team with you, you know? Yeah. yeah. And obviously, although we want to create that sheltering, I think we've all seen it go too far where then the parents, the child's growing up at, or has entered adulthood and the parents still is acting like those things don't exist or they aren't letting them have freedoms. And that's not what Elisha and I are talking about at all. Yes. Yeah. Cause I, I think feel that's like important to mention. hundred percent. Cause I feel like that's when the parents being naive, like, yes. and they're like, Oh, my kid doesn't, he's, they're not interested in that or they would never do that. Or they, they don't even care about that type of stuff. And you're like, what in the world are you <laughs> planning? Are you living on? You know, like, yeah, we want our kids to be capable and informed adults and, we never want them to be like, what? You didn't tell us this or you didn't prepare us for this. Uh, but when they're little and they're young and we want to keep that. And I think it was really cool, I guess, because I grew up with a lot of older friends. Almost all my friends were older than I was. And I get teased a lot, you know, for not knowing what something meant or whatever. And I would just kind of refer back in my brain to the, be like, hey, my innocence is okay. You know, I, I can learn about that eventually mm. and not feel like dumb for it mm. or like, oh, I need to know. Yeah. All this stuff. 
So anyways, I'm trying to think through, oh, you know what's another good book? The One Thing that by is a Gary great Keller. Yeah. I also love his podcast, The One Thing. And I love the opening quote of the book. It says, if you chase two rabbits, you will not catch either yeah, one. Yeah, that's right. And I probably refer back to that more than anything else in the entire book. Because just on the opening pages, there's these two little rabbit tracks, like an image of yes. two little rabbit tracks, and they cross and like go separate ways. And you just picture chasing two rabbits and how frustrating that would be. Mm. And especially with my brain and Elisha's brain, we're both idea people and we come up with ideas faster than you can. we can say them to each other. It's just really helpful to pull it back and be like, okay, we got to chase one rabbit at a time. So, I mean, maybe from you guys, like from the outside looking in, it still looks like we have a whole fleet <laughs> of rabbits. Yeah. What do you call those little, uh, it's not a fleet. I it's know a, that. A, um, a little nest? No, uh, it's a peck or a... No, I, no, it's not a peck. What is it called? Oh, this is embarrassing. (laughs) What is it? A flock of rabbits. Okay. Do you have a category? I created a category for, um, for like junk food reading. Are you, do you have enough? Is it too embarrassing to share your junk food reading? I'm not sure I have junk food reading because all my fiction I would stand by. Oh, okay. Not me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So tell us, let's go fiction for a second well that's the really the only junk food category that i have i think yeah is, yeah is that's fiction. what i mean that's, is that you're saying well okay. i don't have a junk food category but i have oh, a fiction okay one. so well i already said my favorite fiction books i thought we said count of monte cristo scarlet pimpernel okay so i i really like also some i think ones that i'm not embarrassed about which are great Charles, like david copperfield um out of all the charles dickens books that i've read that one was my favorite because it's like the least traumatic, you know? Yeah, it's, like, it's true. Dickens is so traumatic. It's like a little bit of a rakes to riches story without there being so much like destitute, like trauma in the kid's life. Devastation. Yeah. Oh, it's so sad. Yeah, because, yeah, David Copperfield is just a little bit more lighthearted, but you get to like, yeah, hard times or great expectations or all of her, all of her twists. Two cities. Tell, yeah, and you're like, oh, this is really depressing. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, all the, you know, Sherlock Holmes. Sir Arthur Conan I wrote Doyle. down Sherlock yeah, Holmes too. Although, oh, okay, uh, on Sherlock Holmes though, the note. Have you noticed that when you get older, you realize like he's not actually an upstanding like oh, hero? Oh yeah, his like his ethics and stuff, and like his or like morality. his like addictions to stuff. And oh yeah, it's kind of <laughs> scary. What's that? <laughs> I think I read these again. I was like in my early teens. It was just like these are so good, and now like I read them as an adult. I'm like, wow, this is really dark. Yeah. Anyways, he definitely okay. has some vices in his life. Uh, my junk food, I, I mean, this, I might regret saying this. I See, I would put Louis L'Amour in my junk food Okay, Elisha, category. just dive into the, like, spy thrillers, okay? okay just, Let's go. <laughs> just get to the spy okay. thrillers. Vince Flynn, Mitch Rapp. That's like, that's like the gold standard, I feel like for CIA spy thrillers. In my mind, that's the gold standard. So how many of these books are there? I don't know, 20-something. <laughs> um, and they're still coming out, which is great. So I always get to look forward to one coming out, you know, and I stay up all night with my eyes taped open and read it all. And then... <laughs> so, yeah. The first time we listened to a bitch rap, we were camping with Leon. That's right, he was a baby. Yeah, yeah. and we'd put him to bed in the tent and jump in the truck and turn on Mitch Rap, yeah. and, <laughs> and that's where he got hooked. Yeah. Um, another one that's like newer, I think he's only got, I think he's getting ready to come out with his fifth book and he's current. It's the Jack Carr series. James Reese is his protagonist and Jack Carr is cool because he was like an actual Navy SEAL and now he's a, he writes these novels. Um, so that's fun. And then, 
Mark Graney, he's the author of the Gray Man series. Same, these are kind of like all the same thing, just with different authors and the protagonist's names a little bit different, but pretty much everything else is the same about them. So that's why I like them a lot. It's um, like copy and paste. It is. It's like, wow, how did you know I wanted to read that? You really have my number. <laughs> Uh, oh man i haven't read these so i have no clue what i think of them i think i don't want to read them so uh, you can just keep them as what you enjoy doing okay fair enough that's all i was gonna share about the fiction <laughs> what about your fiction katie that's all i was gonna share about the fiction <laughs> oh my goodness okay so i i read a lot of classic fiction growing up and it's still probably some of my favorite um jane austen you know pride and prejudice yeah. emma classic kind of love stories there Jane Eyre that was such a cool book because I loved writing right Mm -hmm. I still love writing I'm an English major and that whole Jane Eyre concept was so cool because the author takes a girl that has nothing that her protagonist should have like she's not pretty she's not exceptionally smart she's not real extraordinary and then a guy who's like way older than she is, has anger issues, is not attractive. And you, and they fall in love, but you fall in love with them in the process. And it's just really cool mm. because it's, I feel like it's harder for a writer. I, there's so much character development there because the writer had to make you fall in love with these two people that you wouldn't necessarily naturally fall in love with. Yeah, they weren't winsome like naturally from the get. They didn't yeah, have a lot going for them. Yeah, it's not the classic hero heroine story that's mm. just like a piece of cake to sell the reader on yeah. rooting for them. So I really love that because I started off being like, what on earth? This is so weird. And then at the end, I was just like crying and <laughs> so invested. That's awesome. So those are two really good books. Um, okay, my most read fiction book was between the ages of maybe eight and 12. And I read Slave, Brave, and Free nine times. Nice. So I've never read that one. Yeah, well, I don't even know if it's any good anymore, but it was thrilling at that yeah. age. Kept you engaged. Yeah, kept me engaged. Um, I Oh, The Unabridged Robin Hood. So good. I love that book. Yeah, see that one I'm embarrassed to say I actually haven't read. Well, you so, don't have to be embarrassed to say that. So I, I need to, we need to get that. I think actually. you'd like that oh, because sure it has all the rich writing, but it also has like the awesome hero plot. Yeah. And you like both those things. Yeah. Did you do much of like the uh, G.A. Henty books? You know, I wasn't a boy. Or? Yeah. Like all the boys my age love those yeah. things. Yeah, I read, read like all those growing the Catabastes. I probably pronounced that wrong. Um, and a couple others that I loved. Yeah. But other than that, I felt like it was the same plot over and over and over. Like, oh, the, yeah, that it's true. The That's... boy gets shipwrecked, learns a million. He, like, he gets enslaved, learns twelve different languages. Yeah, meets girl, marries her six years later. Yeah, like once he's king of the Neverlands or something. The Neverlands. <laughs> <laughs> it's a made-up place. Yeah. <laughs> the Neverlands. How do you say that? Netherlands. Netherlands. Yeah. It's like Peter Pan meets the Netherlands. It's the Netherlands. I like it. Anyways, okay. Did you like those? Uh, yeah, I liked those for sure. I was a boy. Um, we also did like the Boxcar Children and then like the Hardy Boys, of course. You know, Nancy Drew. Those are fun ones. Yeah, those are fun. Okay, I feel so, like that's kind of going back in history a little bit. Yeah, what's a book you just bought? A book I just bought. What's What's that giant fat oh, book I, sitting next to our diapers? I need a... I haven't... 
I bought that because I was interview a few episodes ago. I interviewed um, Eric Ludi, mm-hmm. and he mentioned that was one of his favorite fiction books. So I got off the episode and I ordered it. And it got here, and I haven't been able to get into it. But it is a doozy. That <laughs> thing is. is humongo. But it looks really appealing because I flipped it open, and I got stuck there for like five or six pages oh, sweet. in the middle of the I'm day. Stoked. Well, I'm still finishing up my Jack London book, but I'm excited to dig into that one. Okay. A book I just bought is a parenting book called Don't Make Me Count to Three. I haven't read it. It hasn't gotten here. But I've heard raving reviews from many parents, so maybe it's good. We'll see. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, Let's jump to real quick because this is going so long. Let's do the books that kind of let us down in the nonfiction category and in the fiction category. Okay, great. Are we going to end with that one? Because I'm yeah. going to say a couple more just real okay. quick. I don't. He hasn't written any of my like favorite books, but you know I've loved reading every single one of Malcolm Gladwell's books. Those are fun. Oh yeah, that, I again, wrote down his. Did he write the Slight Edge? Uh, the tipping, no. The tipping, tipping point? point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's the tipping point. Um. I always but that, again, that's similar to like I feel like. Just he, he, she's just fun to read. And yes. so that's, I put him in there as well. Um, okay. So start going with some books that kind of let you down. Oh, okay. Hold on real quick. The Miracle Morning. I cannot let this go without mentioning The Miracle yeah. Morning. Way too good of a book. And 1000 Gifts uh, by Anne Voskamp. Is mm-hmm. that how you say her name? That really impacted my writing because I read her when I was like 15. My mom had the book and so I was reading it. And I loved how she just used periods in random spots. Like she made up her own rules for writing in order to communicate emotion. Hmm. And you feel such deep emotion through that book. And I really felt like, okay, I'm going to throw out the grammar rules and just communicate how I want to communicate with grammar hmm. and try to make the reader feel something with where I put my punctuation versus following the rules. And I think that in a lot of my captions today, I do that. And it's something that, first stuck out to me with Anna Boskamp's awesome. book. Oh, it's a cool. beautiful book. That's great. Anyway. Yeah, I remember seeing her books around our house a lot growing up. So. I think your mom recommended it to my mom. Oh, well, hey, there you go. <laughs> what do there you know? You okay, so what... What? Okay, were you going to say these? Are we, are we both going to do this? So I don't... I don't disagree with these books per se. Some of them I think I probably do disagree with, but I don't want people to get, you know, all upset because I didn't enjoy one of their favorite books. I probably like agree with your book. And I think if I was in a different mood and I read it, maybe I would enjoy it. Okay. You know, so it's just... okay. If, if Elisha hates your favorite book, you can still love it. The fiction book or nonfiction book that kind of let me down was Seven Habits of Highly Effective mm-hmm. People. Because again, it's just like a, one of those on the list you read as a business owner or just a highly effective person, or if you want to be one. And it just, you know, I, I remember them, you know, I, I do think all the time, think win-win. That yes. is huge. Like yes. that's just a habit of highly effective people. For, but for whatever reason, the way it's presented in the book isn't necessarily that inspirational. Yeah. Like I, I love the points, be proactive, you know, yeah. like. I love the points too. Similarly, I don't think I like had a blast reading that. It wasn't a fun I read I never for made me. it through like more than reading the headlines i think got it yeah there is that i think it's like the opening chapter when he's talking about your paradigm where he talks about the the man with his two children in the subway and that's just stuck with me forever where there's like this there's this guy in the subway and he notices a dad with his two kids like down down a few seats down and he this guy that whose perspective you're seeing it from is getting done with the long day he's a little stressed out and he's annoyed this guy's not taking care of his kids and they're like kind of being loud and obnoxious they're disrupting other passengers they're, they even like bumped up against him a couple times and the dad just seems totally unengaged like he doesn't care at all that these kids are being really disrespectful 
And so finally the guy's like, Hey man, would you, would you keep your kids under control? Like, you know, 20 minutes into the ride, the guy like comes up from a stupor. He's like, Oh, I, I'm so sorry. Honestly, I don't even know what to do with them. They don't know what to do with themselves. We just left the hospital where their mother died and we're going home. Oh. And they, and like, I, I don't know how to handle them. They don't know how to handle. And you're like, Oh, you know, and his whole thing is, it's like your paradigm sh- shifts, you know, dramatically like that. Wow. You see from somebody else's perspective. But yeah, that story stuck with me from that book. Oh, Elisha, that's heartbreaking. It is. Oh. No. Uh, <laughs> wow. Well, I know. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thanks for going into that wow. right now. Okay. Yeah. One that kind of, I think, disappointed me. And this isn't has, a, has nothing to do with whether or not I agreed with it or disagreed with it. I think it was like the hype got me really excited. And that's a book that's called... Um, it's pretty recent. I think it was written in like 2015 or 16. It's called Unoffendable um, by Brant Hansen. And I I think I had been given like three copies of it. And everybody <laughs> was really like... thought we needed to read Yeah, and so may, maybe I was the problem. That was... That, going back, that's still probably what it is. So I was really pumped to read it. And um, yeah, same thing. Just It just didn't resonate with me. I think it had been... It was being... T- you know, during that 2015, 2016 season when it was written... Every, you know, everybody was getting offended. I think about it was like becoming more and more popular to be offended, and so I think it was kind of like striking on that. Yeah, that it definitely vein. like hit a chord. What's interesting is some gals are doing it uh, in a book, a Bible study I did last summer, hmm. and I was like, "Oh, crazy!" Like I haven't read this in a long time. I remember really not liking it mm-hmm. in the beginning. I think like when we read it, wait, first when it came out, and I think a big part of it was we don't. I mean. I don't get offended very easily at all. That's why I think I'm kind of embarrassed because like, I I, just I, I must care. be the one always offending people. They like hand me this book. <laughs> no, Everybody's handing me this book and I read it and I, yeah, I, it's not that I've got like the thickest skin. I don't think I have feelings, but I just don't, I just don't really, I don't think get offended. Yeah. There, often I don't know. By other it's people's decisions like, or choices or I don't, I don't know. Like if someone doesn't like, like, like what we like or do what we do, it just doesn't really matter. It's just like, well, that's fine, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think I felt that way the first time I read it. And then in this book club, I kind of felt the same way. I was just like, it just doesn't feel like it applies to my life. Hmm. I'm not a sensitive person. And so it's just, I don't know. There you go. <laughs> it seemed kind of random. Also, I do think I disagree with some of the things in it. Well, there, there's that too. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Even like his, his whole uh, chapter on anger. Okay. I think I disagree with that. So... I don't know. I'd have to go through and like really flesh it out. But um, yeah, I'm with you on that one. Yeah. So maybe we're alone in this because it clearly was a big book and it spoke to a lot of people. All the books I didn't get into. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. I still have a lot. Well, you guys, thank you so much for yeah being a part of this episode with us. Yeah, we would love to hear what is your favorite book or what are your favorite books? We're always looking for new Mm -hmm. things to read. And so, you know, if it's fiction, if it's nonfiction, whatever category it is, if it's impacted you in your health, in your marriage, um, I don't even know if I mentioned like his needs, her needs, the five love languages. Yeah. Those were on my list. Winners. Did I mention those? Nope. Um, Anyways, so we'd love to hear from you guys though, if a book's really impacted your life or if you've read one of the books that we said we loved and you were like, what? I can't believe that. We'd love to hear why you why you loved it or why you didn't love it. Uh, don't take these as recommendations as in like Katie and Elisha say that these are good books to read and agree with everything in them. Like a lot of these we've read a long time ago and 
you'll know if we're like highly recommending a book to you. Yes. This was just the list, okay? Yes. That's right. Okay. <laughs> Till next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.